Okay, we are live on Modern Commerce. Excited to do this one today. Uh, we are without Casey, so I'm going to be acting as host and and uh, host and producer. So if things are a little rough, you know, You're kind of big time now, bro. I, you know what, you host slash producer. producer it's like you know, Joe Rogan level. I, right. Yeah. I mean, he's got his own. He pays people for that kind of thing. You know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, I, anyway, but we not we have no Casey, but we do have Cody, another one of those like white guy, you know, C names. So, uh basically the same thing. Uh Cody Wittick from the Kinship Agency founder, right? Founder of the Kinship Agency. Uh-huh. Um here to talk influencer marketing, giving us the 2022 playbook, uh but more interestingly, you know, former ex-college basketball player. I'm I'm a I'm a hoops guy myself. So I know you guys, you know, anyone who's watching this probably came for influencer marketing, but we're just going to talk about basketball. No, yeah. Cody. Yeah. Tell so, us about yourself. Give me your background. Uh, background. Yeah. Um, I just had so many ideas on <laughs> what sarcastic answers I was going to give. Oh yeah. You um, hit me with your but, joke then first. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's inappropriate. Uh, well, yeah. Previously starting Kinship, you already mentioned my agency. Kinship started in mm -hmm. um, 2019. So be four years in January. Before that, I was uh, ran influencer marketing in a brand called Kalo, Silicon Wedding Ring Company, Kalo. and that's where I ran the influence marketing program. Cut my teeth in influence marketing. Before Were you in house ever... there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. Cool. Um, so that was kind of my background. That was my only gig. Nice Kalo rings. That was like they really launched in the heyday of that like silicone ring movement. They kind of created the market. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I think they were kind of first to market on that. And uh, it showed because if you tried to launch a silicone ring brand now, it'd be tough. Um, <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. And, and Cody, obviously, tell us about Kinship. Tell us you do the what do they call them? Authority boosters or I, I don't know. There's some word for it. Tell us why you're actually qualified to talk about it. I mean, outside of the outside of my Kayla background, started the agency with my co-founder, Taylor, um, and we launched that in 2019 like i said and we've just been doing influence marketing ever since um for d2c e-commerce brands with a physical product um and yeah we've worked with brands such as m&ms and traeger grills and native all the way down to your startups that people haven't heard of and everything in between so yeah um having the d2c e-commerce space and yeah so yeah, let's do this. Um, we're gonna get into it. I got a, I got a bunch of questions for you. I'm, I you know I'm a paid guy. I'm not necessarily an influencer guy. Uh, before we get into it, I'm gonna pop it over to Casey, who is live from a remote location. He's not really. It's pre-recorded. Uh, he's gonna tell us about our about today's sponsor for the episode. Hey, ModCom, this episode was brought to you by Pencil. I'm a creative strategist at the agency that John and I work at. If you happen to be a creative strategist or you're just having a hard time rolling out enough new creatives for testing, then I have the perfect solution for you. It's TryPencil.com. Over at Pencil, the AI will help you determine what your best performers are. It'll even break it down into what elements of those best performers are helping making those ads go. And it'll also take those elements and create whole new ads for you to push live straight from their platform right over to Facebook and IG. So go to trypencil.com if you want to use this and use the promo code modcom15 to save 15% off of any paid plan they have over there. You can always start with a free plan. Uh, go ahead. Actually, I recommend it even, but we're confident you're going to want to upgrade as soon as you try it out. So just remember to go to trypencil.com, use the promo code modcom15 to save 15% off of any plan. And thank you for tuning in to Modern Commerce. And we are back. Thanks, Casey. Kicking it back to us. Uh, that was the first. This is low key. I probably shouldn't even say anything. That was the first John producer mistake. I took the end of the episode read. I don't know. Supposed to be. There's a different one for the middle episode. Dang. What? God, I know. It. I'm fired. Fired as All producer. Upward. I know. Uh, well, cool, Cody. So, first question I have for you, and I think the main thing uh, is, I mean, there was a time. I think when you were at Kalo, you probably just paid people for posting, right? Like it was just like, hey, pay them to post, and it's profitable. And mm -hmm. that was an alliteration. Um, pay them in a post. You'll make make money doing it, and just reach out to some people and ask them, "Hey, how much you want?" And uh, I think that I don't. Can you still do that? I, I guess the question I really have is, how has influencer marketing changed over the past year? You know, or, or stretch it out two years, whatever. 
Um, but, but sort of a sub question I have there is, can you still do that? Can you still make things work? Just like outreach, pay for post really simple. Um, I don't think so. Are there people that probably do it maybe at scale? Um, I think they can and they do, but, uh, I don't think it's the most beneficial or best use of your money to do. Um, so I mean, how has influence marketing changed? I would say it's more focused on content than distribution, which is a good thing because I think it's the number one value asset of influencers is their content creation ability, um, especially when we're talking about micros. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to like everything that I'm saying. Like, there's there's different tiers of influencers. There's different platforms of influencers. Um, there's different approaches. So you mentioned pay for posts. Does it work still today? Like it does ten years ago. No, um, but it depends on what you're also saying uh, as a platform basis, because I would still say paying for posts makes sense um, over time. But on a cold outreach, if I'm a like your everyday run of the mill DTC brand tuning in right now, I wouldn't spend my resources, time, investment, budget on a cold outreach, pay for posts, pay them to post on Instagram. Um, could it... Uh, maybe make sense eventually over time for consistent influencers. I would say, yeah, like it can. Um, it, the question just becomes like, what's the best system to produce the outcome that I des desire, which is like most brands say long-term community. Uh, they want consistent content for their ad accounts. Um, they want organic awareness going mass live um, while still maintaining a great relationship. I don't think pay for post is that system to produce that outcome. Um, right. So again, it's just like, what outcomes are you really driving for? Are you, are you driving for just a bunch of one-off posts with people? Then yeah, you, you can kind of get still that today. Um, I just don't think it's the most effective use of your dollar. Yeah, no. And I, it's, it's interesting uh, having the pod and, um, and I don't, do you have a pod as well? I can't remember. Look, look at me not doing my i knew you did I, like i second guess myself i'm gonna hit this uh, leave studio button right know, here. you're out yeah and then i'm just gonna talk for the rest of the time about <laughs> something i don't know about tell us your pod plug it now <laughs> it's called the influence marketing blueprint okay so everybody go where you everywhere you everywhere everywhere bro come yeah, on it's 2022 you listen to podcasts if you listen into this you listen on youtube so go find my youtube um, because I don't distribute cause that's way too smart for me and it takes too much time. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I, having a pod though has actually changed my outlook on, on this a little bit because like I've always been an advertiser. I've never been a creator and I don't know, I'm still very tenuously a creator now. Um, but like if a brand outreached to me, a company outreached to me and just said, Hey, I love your show. Like how much is it? to do, you know, whatever your podcast reads or your, you know, mm -hmm. ads or whatever, I probably would tell them more. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'd be like, well, I don't know you. I don't actually use your product or, you know, so I'm going to have to, like, there's going to be a lot of work for me to like come up with things to say without sure. like outright recommending and saying, Hey, we totally use this. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, um, and plus UK, they came to me. Right. So I'm like, well, all right, here's my opportunity to like make some money as a creator. And I don't even try, I'm not even trying to make a full-time living as a creator. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of these influencers, that's like what they really want to do is just mm -hmm. only be creators. Uh, so I think that like kind of outreach model, like you said, it worked really well. Well, I've seen, so we still have a brand that uh, one of their biggest traffic sources is pay. They pay for swipe ups just really simply put, but they have refined the pro it's all in-house team members and yeah. they have refined the process for that. Like it is so good it, over mm -hmm. multiple years now. Like they have, they have like good, really good ways of finding people. They know exactly what questions they ask and like, they know, Oh, you know, that response means that that one won't work. You know, that response yeah. means, yeah, it's worth a test. And um, yeah. And they do really well paying for swipe ups. And then it also has to be combined with some kind of like, store event, like a new product drop or sale or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had lots of conversations with Sean Frank at Ridge Wallet. Um, cause yeah. he does a lot of, he still does that. Posts. Yeah. Um, TikTok, YouTube, we've had a lot of healthy back and forth. I think we've met in the middle that we both agree that we're, uh, almost there, or at least, I mean, I obviously, he probably thinks he's hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent. So we agreed to 
disagree on some things, but he has, I mean, we're talking a $50 million, $100 million brand. He has yeah. a team of 12 in influence marketing. He spends three to 500K a month yeah. on influencer. So I compare it to day trading a lot. Like when you, yeah. if you're just paying one influencer one time and expecting sales, you're worse than a day trader, actually. You're, you're trying to <laughs> you beat the market with, without actually at least day trading on stocks. You have past performance to go off of. That right. influencer, you have no idea. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so unless you have hundreds of data points of benchmarks from other influencers you've outreached to. But you still don't know on that particular influencer. You, right. You still don't know on them, for sure. So, for sure. like, yeah. but when I think of Ridge Wallets, like, if you're going to spend that much coin on influencer for pay for post, like, you're almost becoming a diversified portfolio in some degree where I, I can see how some of them hit. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a lot without knowing their numbers that don't. Um, yeah. But, but they're afforded yeah. that opportunity because not everyone listening right now is a $100 million brand. Right. Um, so. Well, well, and and there's a weird mid-range sort of zone, mid-range sort of space in like direct-to-consumer. Mm -hmm. um, or there's like weird use cases where like some of, and, and you've probably worked with, you know, all levels or whatever, but like, uh, if you're working with a Traeger Grills or an M&Ms, it's their objectives around influencer marketing are actually going to be like a little bit different than if you're working with a, let's say sub $10 million, uh, mm -hmm. e-commerce brand, direct to consumer native brand. When you're a direct to consumer native brand and you're at 50 million to hundred million, it's actually like you, like you need some channel diversification. Like, yeah, influencer marketing isn't nearly as profitable as running Google ads or Facebook ads, but like, you're just, you you're like, you're not able to scale those anymore at the levels that you need. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then the other one, like my, my brand that, um, that I own, I don't really talk much about, but we use it. Like we use the uh, outreach pay for post model because we have monthly recurring revenue. Um, and it's really sticky. Right. So we can just afford high CPAs. So same kind of thing. Um, it's a really risky niche. Like uh, we have a hard time advertising on platforms. Our ads get banned a lot. Uh, we, you know, we're always, you know, sleeping a little stressed out that we're going to wake up and ad accounts going to be dis disabled. So to us, even if the CPA on influencer marketing is pretty high on, on like pay for post, it's worth it to have it as like a traffic traffic source. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just say yeah. like it's a pure traffic source. It's not as good as, as a CPA as some of these other traffic sources, but it's worth it to us. Um, so that yeah. if any one of our, you know, four main channels goes down tomorrow, we're still okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there are use cases, but I've seen the same thing, at least outside looking in that the pay for post thing is just, it's not the gangbusters. It was, you know, no. pre 2015. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so today, and, and you kind of hit on this a little bit, you said content over distribution, elaborate on that. So what is today the biggest benefit of using influencers? I'd say generally it's their content creation ability. Yeah. yeah. Like they are good at making videos that engage people throw for that platform. The throw out like LeBron James of the world. If you ever like the 0.00001% of brands that have the opportunity mm -hmm. to work with that level of tier of influencer, mm -hmm. talking about your everyday run of the mill influencer, probably what people come to their mind when they think influencer, they're thinking the 50,000, 150,000, 200,000 influencer. They've built their following on their content, not on their clout. So right. they didn't, you know, they didn't get famous for something else. And then they yeah. just have followers because of that. Exactly. Yeah. So they weren't on the bachelor. Right. Uh, stuff like that, the easy one. Um, so when I think of that, and then also just the way that we approach and think of influencers is because the content is the main value add. Not saying their distribution, their audience is not attractive. It's just lower on the totem pole than most people think. Um, and so, yeah, you want to work with creators, influencers for that primarily. Not that there's other reasons, but... Yeah. Um, Generally, from like overarching, that's their number one value asset. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, that's interesting because I think, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it, it, if you think about, so I think that maybe the question there is like, how do you find the right influencers? Right. Because uh, I think that what becomes harder, that, the, the, one of the nice things about the pay for post model is that it's very clear. Right. And, and the KPIs and the way we measure and like if I'm going to go invest in in sort of like an influencer initiative as a brand, it's like, OK, well, 
that influencer initiative is going to result in traffic. It's going to result in hopefully some sales and stuff like that. But if it's like, okay, I'm mainly paying for content. Um, I guess like, how does that look like do people, I mean, do you approach influencers and ask them like, I could ask to pay them to create content. How do you find the right influencer to brand match? I know you said there are different tiers. So like unpack that, I guess, high level question with many, uh, sort many, of, that was a lot yes, of questions in one. sleeper, Which one lots, do you of, want me to lots of sleeper questions inside this one, but high level, you know, how do you find the right influencers for the brand? Okay. So there's, it's really two questions. It's how do you find influencers and how do you find the right ones when you get there? Right. So I'll break that down. How do you find influencers? There's several free tools that you have at your disposal. So on TikTok, TikTok Creator Marketplace, free. Yeah. Uh, Instagram itself, you can hit a drop down arrow on any particular profile. It's going to be algorithm picked influencers that are all similar. Um, and then there's Instagram, Instagram for creators or what used to be called Facebook uh, Brands Collabs Manager. From Facebook, that's Facebook and Instagram um, influencers. Those are free tools. And then you have your pay for discovery tools that are, there's a million out there. Um, we would recommend Aspire. That's like the one that we yeah. go to. A little free um, there. So out of that, that's where you find them. But then how do you pick easy them? When easy you enough there? to find them. You know, I, and I think Van Oaks, uh, and I, you know, if you know Van Oaks, but he's, he used heavy influencers back when he was like the CMO of diesel brothers or diesel, diesel power gear. And the, one of the things he says is he's like, you should know, like you should kind of know who a lot of them are, right? Like, uh, it, it, different if you're an agency, if you're an agency, you might not know, but a lot of times the brands will know. Right. So if you're starting from scratch, like, you know, you probably, somebody there knows, who yeah. like where to start yeah. and then yeah like you said go to those pro profiles use the ig drop down use tiktok creator marketplace uh anyway sorry didn't mean to interrupt you go ahead you're good you're good um well then i would just say like as far as like a identification scorecard there's really three things that you should be looking at um well actually like kind of five is like content creation ability like i said um, it's their number mm -hmm. one asset. So I would look at their video content creation ability. So you can assess this on their real content, their TikTok content, their YouTube channel is a great way. What, I, what you're really looking for is how comfortable, creative, charismatic they are on camera. Mm -hmm. And then content frequency. How frequent are they posting video content? Um, comfortable on camera. Brand fit. Basically, like, are you proud that they would rep? Would you be proud that they represent your brand? Um, mm -hmm. Are they active? And then just analytics, likewise, like video views, fake followers, engagement rate, like things like that. So I would take all that into consideration. Again, number one, for everyday run-of-the-mill brand listening to this, D2C, you have a physical product, I would be looking at influencers for their video content creation ability, number one, because their, their repurpose or their distribution on their own feed is going to be limited by the social algorithms. Right. Whereas with you, the brand owner have a lot of different ways that you can use that content to actually make real revenue. Um, mm -hmm. So you need repurposability, and that means that content needs to be good. Yeah, to repurpose. That, that triggered a question for me, and so before I before I ask it, I'm going to ask. Uh, I think we have a couple comments here. Um, actually, took it. So Albert M said, I actually took off action on your stuff, reaching out to 20 influencers a day. Attaboy, Albert. Look at that. Love the action. Oh uh shift orders as well now waiting for content um cool so yeah and and uh, i was just gonna say we got some live comments um i have a question but if you do have a question as we're listening as you're listening to this as you're listening to cody kind of unpack influencer marketing uh pop it in the comments in the live comments i will pull it up like we don't get so many it's not like there's thousands of comments i'm gonna miss it or whatever like pop it in the live comments um, and I'll pull it up and like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll unpack it. Like, uh, this is your chance, right? If you want to implement an influencer program to ask, like maybe the best in the game. So, um, but my maybe. question, I, yeah, maybe definitely slight. the best in the game. <laughs> just like, yeah, right you just, I mean, I don't know the other players. In, <laughs> so maybe that, that speaks volumes right there. I don't even know anyone else who plays. Uh, so my question that I have though is, um, you you said analytics and maybe this is like a boring question. Maybe this is the one that everyone didn't have. Uh, but specifically, what are the metrics? Like, is there benchmarks that people should know in terms of like 
mm, this is the engagement rate they should have, or this is uh, this, or you know, how you find fake followers, um, and 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 how do you track that stuff? Yeah, uh, analytics wise, I would just be looking at engagement rate one percent or above. Um, Meaning, probably- if they post one percent of their total followers are engaging in some way or not. yeah or above okay. yeah yeah um and then as far as fake follower count i mean you don't need a tool for that it's just extremely high low extremely high or low combination of likes and comments compared to follower count so gotcha. twenty thousand followers twenty thousand likes nah yeah like, uh twenty thousand followers 30 likes zero comments every single post nah gotcha you know what i mean okay. like so you can kind of tell just like going through their first five or six, you know, things. And primarily what people think of is just on Instagram. Um, so, but um, those are some of the, and, and, and are those, are those at. metrics? Do you, do you apply those across all, all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everything, or is that like, are those Instagram specific ones? Those are the easiest to tell on Instagram. I mean, mm-hmm. TikTok is like, I think you can be pretty confident that it's just, it's focused on content. It's not focused on organic metrics because you have this amount of followers, you get this Mm -hmm. amount of views. I mean, we've seen that time and time again, right? Like someone with no followers has a video just go viral. That that's Um, the point of that platform is that exactly it's a, it's a content like driven on TikTok. I'd be, I'd want to see like consistent growth. Um, And you can see this on TikTok creator marketplace. You can see consistent growth, and they're posting all the time on the platform. And I think that's why the algorithm the way it is, is people are addicted to like the potential for virality. So they're constantly posting content. Um, but those are some of the quantitative metrics yeah. that I'd be looking at. Cool. Albert hopping hopping back in. These lives Man, always have like he's loving they, it. these lives always have one hero that's just like, you know, you're my guy. And Albert, you were my <laughs> guy today. Um can you share what do you do after you get the content? I'm thinking we could bring down the cost even more if we edit and make variations and throw it uh, into dynamic DCTs. He said, uh, if you're watching, you're like, what does that mean? Uh, dynamic creative tests in in uh, Facebook. So specifically using dynamic ads yeah. with the different variations. Yeah, yeah. thoughts. I mean, in, in this, we're now getting into ad buying or he asked an ad buying question, which, you know, that's what you're driving toward here. It's like, you're going to get content. And you're going to put some paid dollars yeah. behind it, which I know you guys do. Probably give like a little quick overview of what where yeah. Albert's going with this is like. So our agency does seeding campaigns at scale. So we outreach to 500 influencers, all no strings attached. We want to put the product into their hands. A certain percentage of them opt in. You want to see a minimum of 20 percent. Out of the 20 percent that get product, you expect 30 percent to post two or three times. So Albert's asking. Okay, not obviously he's not at our scale as an agency, but if he's going to reach out to 100 influencers, 20 of them are going to get a product, six are going to end up posting two to three times. That's 15 assets. I know this is like super mm-hmm. quick math. Um, so his question is, how do you get the content? What do you do with it? Um, you want to reformat it for all placements on Facebook. So if it's a nine by 16 story, you want to get into one by one for all placements. Super important. Um, don't want to go manual. And then... Uh, you want to caption the video content so you can use tools like Capwing, super low cost. Uh, I'm sure there's others that might even yep. be free, um, but Capwing's a we used to use that all the time. Now we use Adobe. Um, they also do reformatting too. And then uh, our agency does different creative iterations on video content as well. So I'd still look at like different three second start times, um, all within mind. And Albert's kind of hitting on DCTs, but I won't even go down that road yet unless you want to unpack it deep no it's and yeah albert if you want to elaborate uh on on the question you definitely can um we legitimately i mean and this this falls into this i did uh and maybe i'll uh put like a in the in the post this we're live right now but in the um like afterwards maybe i'll link this up you don't have your producer yeah i don't have my producer so uh and i wasn't ready for albert's question he's not a plant (laughs) So, uh, I, uh, we, we did a whole episode, like an hour long episode on like creative testing and like nice. how you determine how many creatives you do. And it's just like, so, so the, the thing you're asking about getting into what, what kind of campaign and all of that, I, we didn't unpack that even there, but like, uh, that that's, that's a deeper well, I think than you know, what you do like, but yeah, I mean the basics reformat, make sure it works for all placements and then move into some kind of whatever creative testing methodology you use for your account more or less right 
He's obviously a fan and heard us talk about DCT. So I know. Like it. Uh Casey, where you at, dude? Nice flub on the wrong ad read. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Just put me on blast on the live. <laughs> uh cool. So you you talked about this a little bit. You guys do seating campaigns. Um yeah. Uh, let's backpedal just a second and, and unpack that. What is a seating campaign and what does it, how do you do it? Like, you know, yeah. All yeah. Of seating basic definition is sending out free product uh, to influencers, but we put now I have to actually define it even more. It's without asking for anything in return. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's built on giving, not asking. Um, so the, the basic premise is like everybody wants advocates true advocacy from influencers but they they pay for it um when you actually relate to it on a customer journey basis like you can't do it with customers um it's illegal you can't pay for reviews uh but <laughs> with influencers we think we can so it, you're paying for fake advocacy at the end of the day um on a cold basis so with seating you're letting your brand and your products be the focus um of the interaction versus money or a contract so if I'm cold outreaching to John, it's John. Hey, I think you're a great brand fit. Love to put the product in your hands. This is who we are. Super short sentence. Um, let me know your address. We'll get it right out to you. No strings attached. Mm -hmm. um, you, it's a yes or no question, basically, at, at its core. Like, do you want the yeah. product? Yes or no? Um, so you're opting in based on receiving the product at, based on that interest alone. And then there's, I mean, for our agency, there's like a ton of follow-up after that. But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, maybe just briefly, how should you follow up? Follow up, make sure they got it, ask what they think type of thing. Yeah, you're going to be able to know that through through Shopify. If you send it out through a backend order, um, right. you're going to have tracking. Um, after three days, I would follow up. Um, and again, benchmark wise is like you should see at least 30% of people that you send out product to end up posting for free without mm -hmm. you even asking. So you still get the post out of it and you you know that they're a genuine lover of the brand and product at, at this point now that relationship how it develops is like really up to you you know get them on an affiliate program ugc like right. all that stuff it's just how do you want to give your brand as a first impression to influencers um i think this is the best approach on a cold outreach basis yeah is, well, sorry yeah. go ahead no that's it yeah well, do you, this do you is your do podcast john do you, do you do any pot, uh, follow up to those who aren't aren't part of the thirty percent that post, or do you just leave them alone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we do. Um, we'll ask how they're liking the product for product feedback, and potentially that might trigger a post if they haven't already. Right. Um, so, do you, do you think that thirty percent benchmark is adjusted by that? So, I'm just being clear on the benchmark, right? Like, because you guys are following up to those who don't post, that probably pumps up that that benchmark a little bit. You think? Or that 30% is just from the initial outreach um, okay. and people okay. that get product. So gotcha. that's so you, a good the, question though. On like yeah, the, yeah. So, the so, delta there. Right. Yeah. So for you guys, it's a little higher a lot of the time because you're following up with those and that might trigger a post. And then I'm sure some say, well, I didn't like it because of this or, or they just don't respond. Yeah. Or and that's valuable feedback. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that's you could waste cool. a lot of time if all the influencers are thinking the same exact thing. Like this sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're do you just ever see anybody use it as like a, a, a like a go to market type, like testing the market to see if hey, does the product actually solve the problem that I think it does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it can be very valuable in that sense, even if it's just on a product feedback basis. Um, at the end of the day, you just need to get it and like if you're if you can afford it and you have cogs, then uh, that is uh, beneficial to your business. Mm -hmm. then I would be dedicating a lot of time towards getting the product into a lot of different hands. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to like talk about the outlier too much, but really quick, you brought up a great point. Uh, if you have cogs, what, what about brands that do have high ticket products, let's say furniture or I don't know, other high ticket yeah. products, uh, mountain bikes, all kinds of stuff like that. You just have to be more particular on who you're going to send product to. I mean, if you can afford one a month, I mean, all you do is take your cogs times shipping. That's one right. order for free times that about how many influencers that's your seating budget. Right. Um, 
So, but yeah, like if they post and it doesn't take many sales, right. Or they, they might just tell someone about it, you know, and uh then you get a sale from it. Like, yeah, it depends on how high ticket. I mean, if you're sending out a sauna, uh, probably (laughs) can only afford to do one and maybe it's probably to a celebrity at that, like that tier influencer, but it's going to be really a hundred dollar cogs. It's still cheaper than pay for posts. Yeah. And yeah. What was in my mind was like, uh, like what if it was like a, um, like a gun that you put around like a hoop that like a shooting gun, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Like I get ads for those all the time. I'm like, I'm not even a coach. I'm just like yeah. basketball a lot. Hooper. <laughs> um, like, yeah, let me just drop five grand on one of those. <laughs> uh, put it in my truck. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, um, okay. So that's approaching influencers. That's seating. Like, I think, uh, so, so at this point, you know, the, the full cost that you are into a campaign essentially is, uh, the cost of resources, right? So your team, um, Mm -hmm. or agency, if you're smart and you're using kinship, uh, (laughs) so them and, and the cost of goods sold and, and, uh, shipping. So there is some cost already like going in. Um, but, but your sort of point here is that it's like, you're not necessarily looking for an ROI on those 30% who post for free. What you're looking for is content and to utilize that content to get better ad costs. So how are you all measuring? I'm sure this is something that like you guys had to really unpack when you made this shift from pay for post, because it's like, we were already running at, like you, you have to measure the Delta of how much better did ads get? I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, unpack that a little bit. What are the KPIs here? Um, you've given some great KPIs and benchmarks in, in terms of like how many you outreach to, how many respond, yeah. how many uh, post. But what are the what are the ROI KPIs? I mean, the first thing is that you, the brand listening, are always in desperate need of consistent content uh, that's going to break through the noise. So that's like the number one pain point that I would say just generically is for most brands today is that constantly needed content, ad creative. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking at it like on a price per asset basis. Yeah. Um, so if I'm that's an interesting hand, point. So you guys look at it compared to like, well, how much would it cost for us to go buy the content from a, you know, a shop or exactly. something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just looking at a price per unique asset basis. I'm looking at a price per asset basis. Um, so that's really, I mean, if you have like $25 that's- cogs, and you send it out to hundred influencers, that's 2,500 bucks. But if you get a hundred assets, like now you're like, tell me where you're getting a cheaper price per asset. In the right. And they're good asset. They're good and unique assets. Yes. You know what I mean? They're um, not, they're not cuts, iterations of the same thing. So that's really what we're looking at on from like a seating basis is just like, how does that price, price per asset compare to what else you, where else you're spending to acquire content? A production okay. shoot, unique studio shoot, right. the billows of the world, the, you know, in the house graphic designer, you're just comparing like how many hours does it take that person to create ads? Um, yeah. What's the price per asset there? So that's initially how we're analyzing it. And then once we get into that account, then it's just like it's CPA. Do you, do content. You, yeah. Do you, do, you, uh, do you have a benchmark for price per unique asset? That probably depends on the price of the product, how many people you're seeding, that kind of thing. So that, yeah. that's probably yeah, I mean, a little less benchmarkable. I'd say like a generic, well, I would just say compared against what you're getting in the market, like a generic, mm. like high quality asset that you're going to pay for at a minimum is probably going to be like $500. Right. If you do like studio shoot type stuff. Yeah. We're getting like 60 to 120 bucks. Um, that's including our fee. I mean, take right. out our agency fee. Like you're, you're in the twenties right. to thirties. Yeah. You're even um, making your own stuff and your own fees into there. That's interesting. So even, even if it's like a high cog item and it's $250 per asset, like this is now 50% of what you'd pay in, in other price places. Per unique, do, do you guys in that uh, calculation of price per unique asset? Oh, you probably can't do this. That's actually partially liquidated which you can't even measure because you, it's not like when you send them that you give them an affiliate link or anything like that. But the, some who do post, some of them who do post, uh, you know, that probably drives some sales. So that $120 per unique asset is actually a little bit less because you've already liquidated a little bit. You probably haven't made a profit most likely. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you've already liquidated a little bit. So that's an important thing to bring up. Um, backtrack in just a second. 
got to answer Albert's question, man. He's like the hero of the show. So uh, you should have on him the, on next week. I know. I just hit me up. Let's let's get you on here, man. Talking about DCTs and Charlie. He he follows all the people I've had on. Um, so do you indirectly ask them to post on the follow up message? Uh, it depends for people on who what posted. indirect. Uh, no. No, no, we don't. We just I was say, gonna, how are you I liking the product? No. And I think that's, yeah, you just want to be careful. Like you, you outreach basically saying, hey, no strings attached, no expectation for you to post. Um, you can't follow up and say, hey, when you post, say these three things or um, right. here's our hashtag to use when you post. So you got to be careful. Cool. Uh, so in this, I don't have this. Uh, well, I guess this is kind of a question. So how does this scale? But before we get into the answer of like, how do you scale this up? I want to talk about, because we've talked a lot about seed, you know, you seed, you get uh, unique assets, mm -hmm. you put them in the ad account, you run ads, and then you just run an ad senator. Um, <laughs> but I want to, I want to ask like, how do you extend the relationship with the influencer, right? So, yeah. hey, this person makes content that slaps, you know, it kills it in our ad account. <laughs> Like, how do we get more of this from them? You know, do you move toward like just paying them for content? Do you move toward making them and, uh, you know, an affiliate? Like, do you, and, and do you guys handle that part of the relationship or is that kind of more brand side usually? We don't necessarily manage. I mean, we'll manage some of the messaging and inviting them to the affiliate program or things like that. Mm -hmm. But that'll be one next step. Um, I just view seating as the foundation. Yeah you have your content that you're getting into paid media. And then after that, it just kind of builds up on the pyramid. So I would, I mean, I think affiliate program just makes so much sense. You're not paying for upfront organic posting, but as long as you give them at a commission that's motivating and you're constantly iterating on that, yeah. pay, reward people for what they're going to continue to drive. Um, yeah. You mentioned like the monthly UGC contract. Yeah, I would. I would see like the people that are high performers, top performers. I would start to get them on monthly UGC. I would just be completely let them be the creative director. Um, mm -hmm. I won't even give them a creative brief at that point. You can, yeah, I mean, if they're you're just starting to, yeah. you're starting to like, you're starting to say like, oh, past success equals future success on a certain type of creative, which I don't necessarily believe. Um, mm -hmm. It might work for a little bit, but I would just be very open to pivoting. Um, right quickly so those are some of the next steps so so in in a sense like like launching growing the initiative and sticking with it snowballs right because mm -hmm. over to, like there's an ascendance right it's like you know seedings at the base level of the pyramid responding uh like sending the product people post and then you're running ads and then some of those ads do well and then you're getting you're moving those people into a repeated contract so now you're like now we have some proven winning influencers that are giving us content on a monthly basis and then the longer you do that the more of those you get the more people you're sending and you're still testing a lot of new and unique assets so i get i'm starting to see the picture i get it there you go yeah um, i mean i think that's the advantage of seating too is like you're letting the cream rise to the top mm -hmm. um the people that really love and rally around the product and produce awesome content get leveraged in paid media and they're probably going to be producing the most authentic content and that's going to perform the best. And those are people you want to work with long-term anyways. Um, so, yeah. So my next question really is how do you scale this? But uh, we're not talking about a traffic channel. We're talking about a content uh, generation channel. So I'm guessing that it actually like the amount you have to scale it is, is very, it, it like basically just goes hand in hand with how much you're scaling your ads. Right. So if you're, if you're, if you're outreaching, you know, whatever, I'm guessing that you guys have some KPIs around this or your packages are built around this, or, you know, if you're building in-house team and you got one person now and he's outreaching or she is outreaching, yeah. you know, 500 people, uh, what would be the unit of time that would be realistic for one person? 500 people a week, a day, oh, every six months. Um, okay. So a hundred people a month, something like that. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to pump up, pump it up and, and get more stuff because your ad accounts are scaling and you need more content, then, you know, then you're hiring another person, you're doing more outreach. I mean, is that pretty much how it is? Do you ever exhaust, do you ever exhaust the pool of influencers? I guess that's, I mean, I mean, if you're in the fitness industry, then you're <laughs> no. not, yeah, th there's more of them popping up close. every day than you're outreaching to. Yeah. Yeah. So like, depending on the category, if you're like very, very niche, niche, like mm -hmm. potentially, um, 
but I mean, I would rather hit that than not hit it as far as like reaching the limit, so to speak on the, the category or exhausting the category. Right. Uh, and then I think, well, then there's room to maybe test another category because you might not know um, yeah. through outreaching that certain people are rallying around the product that you want to expect based on the industry. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you are right. Like you're scaling what works um, and putting resources behind it. I want to be clear. Influencer marketing is not a one person job. If you're expecting yeah. to have this influencer pyramid on one person's hands, I was, and I'm speaking from experience. I was at Kalo. I was a one person show. I could not do um, all those different things. So yeah, I was seating and then I was negotiating with big time celebrity talent and everything yep. in between was kind of just like sporadic where I found time. Right. Um, so yeah. as you build up, you're just going to have to continue to expand the team. Just like your one media buyer is not going to be able to run your ad account forever. Um, and be responsible for coming up with creative, you know, and stuff like that, you know? So, yeah, and that, that leads right into my next question. How do you build this machine? Right. I mean, if you're smart, you hire kinship. Um, but <laughs> let's say you wanted to build it yourself. Uh, I love the plugs. <laughs> yeah, you I want mean, to build you it know, yourself? Um, yeah. Let's say you want to build it yourself. What does this team look? I mean, you've built this, like, what are the different roles? Like, is it, Hey, kind of intern level person can, can be doing outreach. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, tell me that. Yeah, I think you can do this pretty cost effectively. You can hire overseas contractors. You can have interns that are doing just the outreach portion, um, mm-hmm. as long as there's training involved. Um, but I would say, like, there's certain things that can be automated through tools, uh, like even outreach, like there's reply.io or there's um, mail meter. There's all these mm-hmm. different things that can automate email outreach to a degree. At the end of the day, though, it can't be completely automated. This is like a more human than every other marketing channel. Um, so I think as you start getting into like the hundreds of influencers that you're outreaching to and you start getting into like, hey, these 30, 60, 90 influencers are opting in and like loving the product and brand and wanting to take next steps, then you're going to need someone fully dedicated to the affiliate program and ambassador right. program. Um, and that's probably like, you can start getting into like a two to four person team and those don't even have to be full-time employees. But I would say like one to two, especially as you scale, you're going to need a full-time employee to oversee the process. Um, And I won't even touch on like the capstone of the the pyramid, but well, I guess the capstone, yeah, the capstone is like, is like the flag bearer, like your, your big macro face of the brand type person. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, someone that sticks the flag in the ground and says like, I'm going to represent Nike or Gymshark or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you didn't want to unpack <laughs> well, that, but now you, now you tease it. Because so. people, people get so distracted by the big macros and think it's going to like change their business overnight. Right. Unless you're a 21, $20 million brand and above, you shouldn't even be entertaining that. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't even be thinking like Ridge wallets of the world. They can start entertaining that. Like the hex class of the world, they're working with what's his yeah. name? The high level. Gordon Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, do that. Like that can really drive a lot of revenue when you have a face of your brand like that. Like that can get you into retail partnerships. Like that's that's huge. That was the same thing for Kalo. Um and they were a forty million dollar brand. Um so yeah. yeah. And, and, and in all honesty, I mean, uh, you brought up Hexclad, so I got I mean, we we had an episode with them. We talked. They talked about how that Gordon Ramsay relationship developed, and a lot of times, those kinds of relationships, when they're good, they happen, right? Like they don't. They're not like an active effort. You know what I mean? Like it's like that person might already use the stuff or or whatever, right? And that's what happened with with him is he reached out to them, or his agent or whatever. Yep, his manager reached out to them. Uh, and so we're creating more, more work for Casey. Uh, he's going to link that up to, or put a card over this and post. Uh, so you guys can go watch the hex clad, uh, the hex clad interview, but, um, yeah, I appreciate it. So, so, I mean, the positions essentially, like if we're looking at it, like a team, right. The positions are, you've got your person who's, you know, outreaching and their job is following prospect, 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 new people and, Mm -hmm. and reach out to them. And then you got your person who's uh, managing man- those relationships that are highly effective and top yes. performers. Gotcha. And that that's maybe a little bit higher level person. Probably doesn't need to be too high level though. I mean, I'm just maybe like, what kind of person is that? Is that like a talent person? 
a professional or i think it needs it be, to be a, it's just something's organized i think it needs to be a full-time employee because if i'm me at kalo like it was highly effective for those athletes and professional people and high level tier influencers to like know that like hey, it's i don't have a relationship with, actually with kalo i have a relationship with cody um, yeah. and like there's that human element so you need someone full-time and you need someone to manage like oversee the person that's gonna be in charge of seating um yeah so and that person could probably still maintain as you move up and be in charge of like the ambassadors and like people on their website and stuff like that so yeah got it so tell me what the um what's the feedback loop look like with because the other the other team member that we didn't really mention is like a media buyer person like mm-hmm. actually executing these in inside uh ad accounts um you can maybe say that's really a member of a different team um but yeah. uh it, you know if we're slicing and dicing but most non-marketing people wouldn't they be like it's all the marketing people. uh What's the feedback loop look like for them? I mean, do they give feedback or is it basically like, well, because we're sourcing this content in a way where we're not really directing them and giving them briefs, um, you know, you just test it, tell us what works, and then we'll try and develop a relationship with that person more. Yeah. It depends on your strategy. I mean, if, if you're uh, the, what we do, which is we launch every single piece of creative through DCTs and cost caps, then mm-hmm. there's not really a feedback loop. It's just like, here's all the content, get it live. Um, if you have a different philosophy, then yeah, there is going to be like a, Hey, can we get X, Y, Z type of content? And I think there's room for that. It sounds like I'm obviously biased cause I am, um, yeah. but I think there's room for that. Like at the end of the day, more creative is better. Like if you have more to play with, I'm sure you would agree. Even then, if, yeah. Like even if you don't use it all, it's still better to have it than not have it. Yeah. Um, which is like the opposite of most brands problem. They don't have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that 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 is a constant conversation, too, on like what is working and when the content's coming in and getting that live right away. So, um, yeah. yeah, you need like a paid media specialist to be, be involved, heavily involved, or at least in the know. They're they weekly to, meetings together. And I would go so far as to say that they need to be bought, like the, the, the whole team all across. And this is true of like the, you know, uh, whether it's influencer, like creative strategist to media buyer relationship as well. Uh, it, you know, within mm-hmm. like, that's, that's kind of what I'm more familiar with the, they th- the thing they really need to be on the same page about is what is the strategy for getting this into the ad account and getting it tested and benchmarking it and stuff like that. Right. So, uh, if, you know, if you hired a media buyer at Kinship and you're like, hey, as an agency, our philosophy is we test every single piece of creative and we use this kind of structure to do that. And that person was like, I don't really buy into that as a creative st- testing like sort of premise that like that just relationship wouldn't work. You know uh, what I mean? Like yeah. they'd be constantly just doing something that they're like, this isn't going to work for this ad account. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and and so it just it just wouldn't work. So that's the main thing, I think, is that like they just th- those two need to be on the same page. Um and mm-hmm. it, it, even if they're not on the same page, they need to be able to kind of come to the right page together, right? Um, yeah, so so uh, last question I really have on team is, do you start to specialize like across channels, right? So do you have like specialist teams in terms of uh, prospecting, seating people or relationship management people across uh, Facebook, IG, YouTube? I, I mean, to me, I think YouTube's maybe a little bit different beast and maybe, I don't know if you guys do it, um, but Facebook, IG, YouTube, uh, and TikTok, right? Like, do you specialize these teams and people across uh, different channels, or is it like more like no, you make them like an expert on influencer marketing or on whatever their function job function is, and then yeah, they pull it across channels. I, I think for most brands listening right now, you don't need to get like channel specific. Um, I think just find the best people and try to get them the product into their hands and identify real advocates. Yeah. Um, so, but it's interesting as you scale, like you probably do need, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking for those ones that do scale up and they are running at like running scaled ads on all those channels I said, and they are looking for influencer content or creator content uh on all those channels like i like when i bring youtube into the mix i say creator content instead of influencer content because i'm like i mean i'm not i'm a creator uh (laughs) but but yeah i mean when when they start bringing those other channels into the mix 
like, I guess that's what I'm asking for those more scaled up brands that have a more scaled up influencer approach. Does it typically look like channel specialist teams or yeah. What does that team usually look like when it's six people or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you just build out the seating team at that point through, through channel. Um, you're just, oh, gotcha. you have okay. a dedicated person specifically outreaching to YouTubers yep. um, or negotiating deals with YouTubers, that type of thing. But I think it's yeah. interesting. Um, again, is it generating real revenue for you? I think like the three ways you judge the channel is, are you growing the pool of people that love your product? Are you populating your content library? And then are you generating sales? Right. If all those three are yes, then keep investing. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I mean, look, easiest way to like kind of execute quickly is just say, where are you already running ads? Like maybe just focus the focus the yeah, strategy there. Great I mean, question. Like, I do have some, I do know some brands that run like exclusively on TikTok or primarily on TikTok. Like they were born on TikTok. Got kids coming in. Um, hey. Hey, what's up? Um, after this, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah. After this, okay? And can I have those scissors also? Okay, bye. Didn't lock the door. <laughs> nice. Yep. Forgot to lock the door. Classic. Another one. That's not even, that's not even, I can't even blame Casey for that. It's a remote podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, I think in terms of quick wins, like, yeah, just where are you running ads? Focus there and like start the influencer strategy there. Um, but speaking of quick wins, if we're talking about, hey, somebody's watching us, we're 50 minutes in, you know, they're deep at this point. Um, what, what, like if, you know, what's the takeaway here? What's like, okay, if you want to go execute on something today and you, you like, you want to execute on it, I'll give you what do you think one. the quick wins are? I'll give you a great one. Okay. Every time you go to the bathroom, just DM five influencers. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're probably wasting time on there anyway, you know? You should. Uh, I'm dead serious. I, this comes from experience as well. Um, I would outreach to five influencers every single time use that Instagram drop down arrow copy paste same message um change the first name though obviously <laughs> um on DMs and then emails too like you're going to eventually run into privacy restrictions depending on how many times you go to the bathroom in a day uh <laughs> but if you shoot them an email you're never going to run into those, those restrictions and the outreach message doesn't really change at that point so yeah. i think that's that's super easy super practical Hit that drop down arrow, focus on micro influencers, less than 150K of following. Offer to send them the product if you have cogs that can afford it. I would say if you have cogs under $100, I would do this. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're going to be surprised on what content gets posted for free and how many influencers are actually interested in your product. And yeah, the, so nice. That's dude. Yep. Nice, easy, quick win. The game is simple. break strategy. Games to the bathroom break strategy. You need a better name for it, though. You're hmm. supposed to name your strategies like super cool. The number ninja. two strategy. The number two. The number two. I, yeah, I got a giggle. I got a giggle be, out of you. It did. Yeah. I mean, it could be a number one if if you're female. I guess that's true. I feel like my wife just goes into the bathroom like to, whenever she needs a break from kids. You know, <laughs> doesn't matter. I don't think she even. So needs to that go. could be that too. Break from yeah. kids strategy. <laughs> break from kids strategy. Yeah. Um. Cool. So last thing um, before we before we head out here, Q4, it's here. We're six days into it, right? Yeah. I had to look at the date. Six days into it. Uh, anything Q4 specific or is it just like, no, just like stay consistent with this. Um, I've seen you, some of the threads that you post on Twitter, we'll link up your Twitter. Um, some of the thre threads you post on Twitter do have some kind of like nuanced differences for how you would execute for different kinds of brands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, anything Q4 specific that you think, hey, if you've already got some momentum and you're you're a little bit past the number two strategy, uh, let, let's uh, here maybe try and mix this in. Um, right now, Q4 influencer rates are going to be start getting incredibly hiked if they're not already. Mm -hmm. because they know they're going to get outreach too and people are going to try to take advantage of bfcm and holiday um christmas all that stuff so i would seed people right away um and then leverage that content in time for bfcm so it's just a ways that you're again i, I feel like i'm beating a dead horse but you're going to yeah. try to like you're going to alleviate and be cheaper than pay for post yeah 
Um, front load your front load your seating efforts, basically. Yep. And Q4. then if you are going to pay, then I think YouTube makes sense. Yeah. Just as just kind of like an evergreen type of channel. I, I just posted that thread today about like winning on an SEO basis, an organic yep. basis. Like it's going to be way, way more expensive. Just FYI, people. Um, it is. Yeah. And it, shorts, it's interesting. Shorts is yeah. interesting, like yeah. to explore. So. Yeah, because they still live forever too, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, it, it is interesting when I it, like coming from the creator side on YouTube and and having you know some sponsorship and stuff like that. No big deal. I do, uh, you know, even if I'm taking the wrong spot, I still got the sponsor. At least today, you know, maybe not after this. Maybe I got an uh, email in my inbox right now. But <laughs> um, the I, I I think you know I think about it a little bit differently. I I kind of think about things on like a CPM basis just because I'm a media buyer, right? Mm-hmm. And I try and make it like really worthwhile for my sponsors and stuff like that. But that there is consideration for that with any YouTube creator that like this lives forever. Like I mean, for example, we have our purple mattress episode that we shot know, three months ago. We uh, interviewed the the original like marketing team for purple. It just like it had died down like all episodes do. And then now it's just like this week, like revamp. I don't know. So YouTube did something with their algorithm. And I shared it. Yeah, that ha- that's what it was. Cody shared it and it's got 200,000 views in the last day. And mm-hmm. um, you're welcome. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Give me those YouTube monies. Um, but the but yeah, I mean, that is there is a consideration for that. Um, so, yeah, good call out. If you're going to pay, go to YouTube. All right, moving through here, the parting shot. I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call an audible, and I'm not gonna do the parting shot. Uh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do an analogy. Let's do a sports analogy. This is modern commerce. We do a lot of sports analogies for marketing and business here. Um, so, I'm sure you've got. I, I'm hoping you have some up your sleeve. Uh, you were a basketball player. You played, you played hoops in college. Um, what is? Is there a sports analogy? for business or marketing that you find useful that you use a lot or that you just like, I don't know, or I guess it could be something you learned in sports. If you're like really struggling for an analogy. I mean, I think the one, I don't even know if it's directly at sports, but I mean, I guess you could say shoot your shot, like next play, (laughs) like next play was something that was preached to me all throughout sports. It's just like, you have a bad play next play, like and basketball is constantly changing. Um, next play turnover, next play, great play, next play. Yeah. Like, so I think that pairs well with, with, um, with business owners is next play. Like, and if something doesn't work, you learn from it. If it did yeah. work, you try to iterate off of that too. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, and, and, you know, I think it's funny. I, uh, I'll, I'll hit one too and I'll go basketball as well. Um, I don't know if you listen to JJ Reddick's pod. I, I don't know if you really get into basketball much, but JJ Reddick has a podcast, one of the bigger ones of, of NBA players. Um, and like, I think in uh, like one of his first episodes with Dame, he talked about how <laughs> he's like, there's only like five offensive actions we run in the NBA. Every team runs like five offensive actions and that's about it. And, and it like, which is surprising for some, like a casual fan that like, no, they all do the same thing. They all know what they're going to do. And he's like, and then it's just whether you make your shots or not. Right. Like whoever makes their shots that night wins. And I think that like, when you hear the, the whole strategy, it's like, look, it's not complicated. Outreach to people, ask them if they want product. The ones who post it, take that, run it as ads. And then, you know, further the relationship with them. It's not hard. It's just doing the work every day. And it's Mm -hmm. yeah. Same thing in the NBA. It's like, just run the actions, execute them right, right? Like if mm-hmm. you, there's this double drag out uh, action that uh, the Warriors run to Steph and like every team knows it's coming, but he scores off it like eight, 10 times a game, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if you know it's coming, you still have to like cover that. You still have to play defense, like defense against it, right? So it, it, yeah, it, the same thing. If you just execute well, uh, it will work. Like the law of averages will work mm-hmm. out for you, right? If, you, if you're a 45% three-point shooter, the law of averages will come back, even if you, you know, yeah. miss your miss 15 shots in a row. So if, if yeah. people aren't replying to you, just the law of averages will come back. There you go, bro. Cool. I, I have like a sales call right now. So like, how long are we going right now? Yeah, we're, we're out. So uh, <laughs> thanks everybody for watching. Um, drop your comments below. Tell us what questions you have about influencer marketing. Like, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon. And until next time, we will see you. And here goes that same pencil ad that you guys saw before.
Peace. Deuces. Casey, you are an absolute beast right now. You're churning out so many creatives across multiple brands. What is it that is so hard about producing such a high volume of creatives? Why can't a lot? Why can't more brands do it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say if you're doing it the right way, of course, um, you should be always analyzing your your past ads. You know, the things you've already turned out, your most recent uh, test group that you've put out. Um, and that should inform your next round of creation, not just go all willy nilly about it. So I would say that's why it's difficult to speed up that process is because it's always kind of a two pronged approach of of analyzing and creation, really. So how is it that you are able to do that across like 12 to 15 accounts? Yeah, I mean, it does get pretty wild. But honestly, when I use pencil, it's not as bad. Uh, pencil is a tool that I use. It, it's got AI that'll help determine what my best ads are. It'll even break it down into the best elements of those ads. And in that platform, it'll automatically generate new ads for me to launch. And I can push them live straight from the platform uh, into Facebook, IG. Um, it also works great for other platforms as well, like TikTok, whatever you're on, really. If you sound like me and you're always in the weeds with your creatives, use our promo code. Go to trypencil.com, use promo code modcom15. You'll save 15% off on any paid plan. One more time, that's trypencil.com, modcom15. Save 15% off any paid plan they have there. And uh, back to the show.